GPL talk. I have no idea what episode this is. Um, it'd be an even number. Thirty-something. I don't know. It'll be it'll be right in the title. This is Emily, and I am here with Jessica, Valerie, and Aubrey is off today, so we um, will have her with us hopefully next time. And we know we're a little late on this. We just had to kind of change the schedule. Life here at the library gets a little nuts at times. So, um, but we wanted to talk today about Mrs. Sherlock Holmes by Brad Ricca, a nonfiction um, tale. In the true crime area of the library, the 362s, um, it says the true story of New York City's greatest female detective and the 1917 missing girl case that captivated a nation. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> All right, so let's just go around real quick this very short table um, and say initial thoughts. Did you like, not like? Eh. <laughs> <laughs> yes and no. I, I, I liked it a little bit. Um, I, I wanted more from it than what I got. Okay. I liked it. I felt like the ending was maybe a little abrupt. My only complaint, but I, I really enjoyed it. It, to me, it almost wrote like a novel in many ways, which I, I really appreciated and I found it fascinating. So I really liked it. I, I feel about like Jessica, the, the stories themselves were fascinating and I loved it. I just had some issues with the way it was laid out that um, left me feeling underwhelmed. Um, but the, the story, the woman herself, she was absolutely fascinating. Yeah. And the way the story was told was fascinating. So it wasn't necessarily the writing. It was just a, let's just skip here and then over there and then over here. And nothing really fits sometimes, but <laughs> that's okay kind of feel. So, and I think what gets me is if I had not read the blurb that I just read, that the 1917 missing girl case that captivated the nation. If it was more just about this woman, I think it would have been okay. But I went in thinking it was going to be like the podcast serial and we were going to dissect this murder and it was going to be great. And I'm like, no, this is not what's happening. That is exactly what I wanted. She was just running around town a lot <laughs> talking to people, which was also very fascinating. But All right, so who, Valerie, why don't you give us a quick little recap of, of the book itself? Um, well, it is about, I cannot think of her name right now now. Grace. Grace. Grace, thank you. Who had multiple last names because of remarriages throughout the, the time. Which, yeah. She was never home, so where is she meeting these yeah, men? Yeah, it's, it's Grace, <laughs> Grace Humiston, I think, was the name I found most often. But um, she, uh, in the early 1900s, went to law school and became a lawyer. I believe she was actually the very first female lawyer in the country, which I thought was fascinating. She became a lawyer before women had the right to vote. Like, that blew my mind. Um, but she, it talks about several different cases uh, where she... You know, kind of got in there and, and dug a little deeper than other lawyers or police officers did and helped, um, you know, get people off of death row, like prove their innocence. She helped uh, solve several different cases. She went undercover for some things. Um, so it was really interesting. But the main, I guess, kind of it, what it keeps coming back to is that main story um, of the, the girl who went missing in New York City. So it, it does talk about a lot her her interaction with with that case um but like emily said it does jump around so it talks about a lot of big cases that she worked in her life 
And one other thing I think they did really well that they needed to do, so I kind of understand the going back and forth a little bit, is the idea of context to really understand who this woman was and how she was before she got to this case, which yeah. was which was fascinating. I mean, she is a fiery person. Yes. I would have loved to have been on her team because she doesn't take no for an answer, and she just she pushes, but in a in a intellectual way like she knows the boundaries that she is pushing and so she knows like who to lean on and who to not and one of my favorite parts of the book and it was just one line um but then kind of unfolded a whole different thing is that after a while in her career where she was trying to do everything by herself and she realized i can't do everything by myself so when she got to this one case then she started making calls she knew who to call and she brought this team together that was just all over the country and dynamite. I mean, they're calling and speeding. There's police car chases, and you're like, "Whoa, this is crazy." Um, so it's. I understand they needed that to really see who this woman was by the time they got to the the case of the missing girl. But at sometimes it was like, "How are we connecting this?" Because I just like I kept wanting it to somehow move together. You're like, "Nope, nope, that was just a different story. Never mind. Forget about that part." So, yeah, I felt like there was. A lot of in or a lot of story with a little information for each thing. Like I wanted more details on one story versus uh, less details on bunches of stories. Yeah. Um, so it it didn't feel like there there were a lot of details about this woman, but it was just very spread out among all of these things that were happening. So I I just wanted more. From one mystery versus I think lots I, of stories. I, I know you and I think Emily some does too really likes the true crime stories. I'm not as into that. So maybe that's why I liked it more because I liked how it kept going back to her. Mm-hmm. Not that you, I'm not saying you didn't yeah. enjoy that, but I think maybe that is why I enjoy it more. I don't necessarily, I'm not as interested in the nitty gritty crime details of things. I wanted you know? more nitty gritty crime <laughs> details. <laughs> Like, so I, I looked this up. I was looking online a little bit, and there's this article about Mrs. Sherlock Holmes against the NYPD, and it's, it was this old article in the paper. Um, and it talks about, like, it talked a little more about the autopsy and what happened to Ruth Kruger, which is the girl that had gone missing that she was famous for solving the mystery of. And, and I was like, oh, so that's what happened to her. Like, they had kind of sort of described, like, the you know, how her arms were tied up and things like that but they didn't tell you really what happened or how she died and this article did and I was like well that's better (laughs) (laughs) I need to know these things when I'm reading this so absolutely um one of the most intense part and I guess we can go around and kind of say like what was your favorite part what did you find most interesting or, or surprising how relevant this book is today though the idea of women's rights and pushing buttons and and standing up for yourself and something that grace though she wasn't necessarily a leader she didn't necessarily consider herself uber feminist suffragist kind of person but she she really really was and how relevant that is today and if if she had been given the respect that she deserved where she could have gone and I think that was really interesting because she ends up accusing the military of some bad practices at this camp involving women it gets into quite a bit into white slavery and the idea of almost sex trafficking mm-hmm. um, and so she accuses the military of, of 
bad practice at this camp and the missing girls and um, and they, they just take her down like kind of slowly and quickly all at the same time like it wasn't one fell swoop but it was just like knocking her out of things and you know like and all of a sudden she's being asked to resign to resign yeah. and all of that so it's like if she had been given that respect where could she have gone and I think that's kind of was an interesting thing to me that she had so much promise and like momentum going at, especially after the Ruth Kruger case. Um, and then it just kind of abruptly stopped. Like you said, then it just, it's just like done. Okay. That's it. <laughs> She's out. Never mind. Um, but I, the, the scenes, when you get into the middle of the story and you're really finally into the, the missing girl, you're into Ruth were intense. Like they are digging, they're trying to find this girl and, um, they are at a motorcycle shop, but the owner, the wife of the owner, is not letting them into the premises. So they find kind of a way around in this coal chute, and they're digging. And that was intense. I mean, the way yeah. that was written was really, really interesting. My favorite part there was when the um, crone or cron or whatever his name is, the, the guy that he... Um, that she has hired, this detective she has hired to work with her, um, is there and he's starting to freak out because they need to get into the cellar that day and they can't because there's this, been this auction and it's been sold and they're freaking out. And she was the one that yeah. bought it. Like, and I, like, yeah. I bought it. Yeah, this I is the best thing ever. That was that was probably my favorite part mm-hmm. of the whole thing. It was just, oh, she did it. Yes. This and I think that so part played out like a movie in my head. Yes. Like I could see all of that happening. Again, she's running all over town. She's like she had to keep going back to different, um, like, what are they called? Oh, um, when you have to get like licenses or. Um, Warrants and get warrants kind of things. So she had to keep running back and forth to get those. He's like, she's never there. And how did she have multiple? Where did she get these men? Where did she get <laughs> these husbands? Because she was never home. I liked how a few parts are like, well, there goes my summer vacation because she'll find the case. And she's yeah. like, oh, I've got to stay. Oh, but well. that part really played out like a movie to me. I could see that being made into a movie. Mm-hmm. What about you, Valerie? What was your favorite part or most surprising? Um, I, I think to me the most surprising was how... I guess how how much schooling and knowledge and power in a way she had considering the time period, mm-hmm. which I thought was really cool. Um, like I, I was looking more into her and like female lawyers at the time, and I just had I never even really thought about you know women graduating from law school even before we got the vote. Like that mm-hmm. just kind of blew my mind. So I really found that interesting. I also like you said a lot of it relating to today like like how she was bringing up like sex trafficking and and white slavery and that's still a thing today Mm -hmm. so that to me was kind of scary (laughs) in a way like how this you know people saw it and but it's still not changed so uh, I found that interesting too but yeah I also I did just in general love her I loved how Mm -hmm. smart she was and how tenacious she was and And yet people still liked her so it wasn't a power play it wasn't like that woman that you know has this power nobody likes to be I kind of think of the devil wears Prada that you know she wasn't on this pedestal she was just out there they saw her fighting and I think that was a big part of it well and she brought facts Mm -hmm. so it's like she would not go and approach something until she knew she had her ducks in a row so Mm -hmm. it was a once she was there like 
she knew what she was talking about. Or if she did, there were, like, she'd be like, well, I have this hunch, and I think that you should put a stop on this. And people would be like, uh, you need to give me some proof. And she'd be like, fine, I'll get you proof. <laughs> yeah. And she'd go get it and bring it back and be like, here's your proof. You wanted it. And she does that enough that she starts to prove to people that her hunches are important and yeah. that she she's going to be on the right track. And then there's the one judge that she calls up in the middle of the night and she's like, okay, we have to stop this guy from being killed on death row. And he's... and. He's like, well, and she's like, do you remember that time that you told me <laughs> that you respected my mind more than any man? And he was like, yeah, I remember saying that. <laughs> she's like, okay, well, this is one of those I'm times. I'm calling in that favor. You need to trust me here. And and I loved that part of it. But then he was like, I need to have the paper right now. <laughs> I like that then part of it, too. there was a car too. chase. The, the car and, chase yeah, where, where the police officer is, like, calling up all the other police officers and be like, this guy is going to speed to like, the prison. So they get so. to sing, sing and they're like, yeah, this other guy was running side by the car to grab the paper. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, I know. And it's kind of crazy that yeah. the fact that, you know, these cars aren't going nearly as fast as they no. go today. So it's probably able to do that. But at the same time, you're well, like, they were like, oh. they were like, it's like 30 miles away. <laughs> and he's only got an hour to get there. And you're like, uh... <laughs> That sh- shouldn't take the now or did oh <laughs> that car's not gonna move that fast. I loved she not that she was manipulative, but she was she was conniving though. The way that she would place like that cron crone detective in there, like go work at the motorcycle <laughs> shop, even though you know you, nothing yeah. about motorcycles, and see what info you this? can get. She did that several times, which I thought was fascinating, and the way that she knew how. Again, it's not manipulation, but she knew how to reach people. Like, the the story about the gentleman she was trying to get off of death row with the car chase and all of that, she immediately was like, this isn't in the papers. We need to get news on this. And so she calls up a reporter, and they have, a like, a, a rally, which made me think of Newsies. <laughs> I was like, yes, a rally! I kept thinking of Newsies but as it, I was reading it, too. But I, it just was so how she knew how to move public opinion. Sadly, not in the end when she kind of needed it most. But I just thought that was fascinating, so... She was an interesting character. I looked up that camp as well, just because I was I was trying to figure out like, did they ever you know report on this or anything? And there is nothing no, I, whatsoever. I tried to look that up, but too. it did become a Japanese internment camp in World War Two. <laughs> I was like, oh, but yeah, there's nothing. I was like, you mean there's six hundred women pregnant at this camp and there's nobody? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, no I tried to look that one up too. <laughs> I really wanted to know why. And, and if you're the type of reader that likes to see where they got their information or to look up facts afterwards, there's like 40 pages of author's notes and resources, um, resources and notes in there. So there's lots to kind of go back to to see. I know a lot of it um, in an article I was reading that he said, you know, he was relying heavily on newspaper articles and magazine articles and that, but it was her trying to bring her character to life that he really used his authorship Mm -hmm. to like give emotion and stuff to her but she was she was fascinating i did appreciate in his author notes that he went through most of the people he mentioned Mm -hmm. in the book and kind of gave a this is what ended up this is what has to be i i really liked that i mean even if it was just a a few sentences for some of them Mm -hmm. I, i appreciated that so it's a bigger book i mean it's well over 300 pages and at times it felt a little bit like a just keep going. Just keep reading. Just keep reading. Um, but when you hit those moments where it all comes together, 
Um, it's really fascinating. Even at the beginning of the book, after you initially meet Ruth and that she's gone, then all of a sudden you're in plantations. Yeah. Um, but that part was fascinating as well, that she goes down south and um, has to take a boat to this plantation where she knows things are not going well and how people, like like you said, men respected and trusted her enough to send her down there mm-hmm. and wanted her to be a voice and her to use her eyes to see was yeah, just they paid was the newspaper paid for her trip to go yeah. investigate and mm-hmm. was, well i also found it interesting because she got several death threats throughout her life oh, yeah. and she just kept going through that yeah. i'm like i feel like if i got one i'd be like shying away from something and she's <laughs> just like oh she'll be fine shows up and yeah. is like i'm yes. here to kill her <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like, like oh okay let me go get her like who just shows up and says, hello, I'd like to speak with Grace. I'm going to kill her. Yeah. <laughs> this was kind of like, whoa, and all right. She's like, well, she's not here right now. Well, then I'll just kill you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, man, what a different time. <laughs> what a different time. Well, it sounds like we recommend this one. Um, it's pretty good. I, I was glad we read a nonfiction one. I was, I've been in the mood for nonfiction this year for some reason. Um, so Mrs. Sherlock Holmes by Brad Ricca. Um, you should read it. <laughs> and then let us know what you think. Um, it was pretty good. So, all right. Should we tell what we're geeking out over? I guess. All right. Let's geek out, ladies. Oh, I'm used oh. to Aubrey being first. <laughs> okay, go I'll this be way. first. I'm ready. It's all right. I can go. Okay. Um, I finished the Spelled um, series by Betsy Scow, apparently is how you say it. Then they need to take the H away. I know, I agree. I listened to the audiobook, though, and they said Scow, so it's Betsy Scow. Um, and it's a retelling of The Wizard of Oz, and I love The Wizard of Oz. It's probably in my top five favorite movies of all time. Um, and so it, it's, it's a really adorable, kind of silly... Um, but actually really well thought out um, retelling of a story. And so I finished that, and I was like, well, I need more Wizard of Oz. Um, So I just read the Dorothy Must Die, the first one by Daniel Page, Um, and I'm starting the second one, which is The Wicked Will Rise. Um, And they're actually pretty good as well. I wasn't so sure about them, but um, I'm enjoying it, and so I... I don't know. I'm on a Wizard of Oz kick. <laughs> she made us watch it in the teen I did. Day and it is not in my top five. I find it terrifying. Um, the Lollipop Guild is, I will go on record as saying, one of the most terrifying things <laughs> ever created. Um, so... I plugged my ears, and this teen boy, he just kept talking to me, and I was just like, you, I would wait a second. The song is going. But <laughs> I did not get it. So. I always thought the winged monkeys were the scary thing. But then... At the end, they're good, and so, you know, yeah. I don't know. And they're good in this book, which is kind of cute. <laughs> Most of them. But they cut off their wings. It's weird. The, the Dorothy Must Die one? Mm-hmm. Okay. They have to cut off their wings so that they don't have, so that they're not influenced by Dorothy's magic. Dorothy's oh. evil. Oh, so. fascinating. Hmm. All right, Valerie, what are you geeking out over? Um, I, I guess I'm geeking out over, over... That didn't make sense to it. I'm geeking <laughs> over, over baking, I guess. Um, I've been watching a kids' baking competition with my husband, which, I don't know, we've gotten into baking shows because I keep having new ones on. Um, but this one has been a lot of fun. It's fun watching kids bake, and then you feel like, 
I can do that. Well, that where you're (laughs) like, like, wow, I'm sad that I've not been able to do that. So (laughs) I, like over the weekend, I tried, I made uh, donuts. It's the first time I'd done that. So that was a lot of fun. Just, um, it was baked donuts. Uh, we had, I'd watched them, the kids do it, so I was like, I could do this. Uh, so I guess that's my thing. I always enjoy baking. I try not to too much because it's usually stuff you don't need to have around, but um, it's fun to try new things. So that, I guess that's my geeking out right now. I like it when you try new things because I don't want to. I am not a baker, <laughs> and I don't like to bake. I, I love the look of pastries and baked goods, but then it's like, that's a lot of dishes you have to do, and I never know if I'm doing it right or... I just don't have patience for it either, because I think baking it takes it takes the patience. Actually, all cooking does. I don't yeah. like to cook in general. I, I keep finding, myself alive. Yeah, I've been finding more and more. I I, I like cooking like in general. Like we've been my husband and I have been cooking dinners mm-hmm. more frequently and trying newer things. I don't know. It's been I fun. get into kicks when yeah. it's nice. When you find that one, you're like, oh, that one was good. Or that was pretty. It looks like it yes. does on Pinterest. And I usually I, send you guys pictures when it looks like Pinterest. I so. like when it's pretty. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I tell him I want to put it on the plate. <laughs> like, so. Mine usually looks like mush, but it yeah. tastes good. <laughs> so that's really what matters. Well, I am geeking out over Obsidio, book three of the Illuminae Files by Amy Kaufman and Jay Kristoff. It comes out on March 13th, but I am re-listening to Gemina, and I loved it the first time. I loved it more the second time, and I love it even more the third time, which I find fascinating, because sometimes I've read a book, and I'm like, oh, that was great, and then you go back and read it again, and you're like, mm, that wasn't all that great. Like, once, the, once it's spoiled for you, it's not as good, but this one just... Every time I, I listen or read it, gets better and better because it is so smart and the characters are so amazing, especially Hannah Donnelly in this one. Um, she's this girl that gets her nickname's Princess. Like, she wants the fancy clothes and you, she's kind of stuck up and you're like, oh, she's going to be a snotty brat, but she is fierce and she is just, I mean, just wicked and she's smart. She's so smart because she's been raised by a military father who has taught her all that he knows and she respects that. So it's not the, oh, Oh, Dad, I have to listen to you. Um, just, it's amazing. It's amazing. And the way that the audiobook is done, it's just absolutely fantastic. And Steve West has a small part in it, and that <laughs> makes me happy. And um, But it's so, so, so good. I listened to almost the whole book yesterday, but I'll be finishing that up because I pre-ordered Obsidio. Um, it'll just appear on my phone next Tuesday, and I'm so excited. I forgot um, that his so. role was just small. Yeah, it's pretty one. small. And he's the, kind of a jerk. The one boy, yeah. So, But that's okay. He's still Steve. I'm like, oh, that voice he has the accent so but I'm, I'm really 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 excited about that coming out and I have like four other audiobooks checked out at the moment so I'm like I'm just gonna have to power through these really quick because next Tuesday man that is priority I am listening to Obsidio so and it's the end though which makes me kind of sad because then it's done Um, But what's so good about this, too, is that it's written like um, Amy Kaufman's other books. That the first book, you have two characters you're really traveling with. The next book is two different characters, but they kind of come together. And the third one, it's another two characters, but then everybody comes together. And I have to read this line because this is how exciting I am about this. It says, with time running out, a final battle will be waged on land and in space. Heroes will fall and hearts will be broken. Oh my goodness. No. <laughs> so excited. I know, they're going to kill someone I love, but that's okay. Aww. If they kill the artificial intelligence, Aiden, I will be upset. Um, but because he well, is fascinating he, and terrifying. He, Am I not merciful? Oh no, you're scary. So scary. 
He has a computer, so it'd be very easy for him to die. Yeah, you just blow up the ship he's on. But you think he's easy to kill, but he's not. And then he keeps keeps moving. I love it. So that's that's what I'm geeking out over about, like super geeking out over it. And I needed something because there's there's craziness in my life right now. So I'm glad I have something that I'm really excited about that I know is actually going to happen and not a figment of my imagination at the moment. So. Um, we will be back on April 5th um, with a review of the movie Ready Player One, which Woo-hoo. is exciting. Um, I'd like to listen to that again, too, before the movie comes out. I do have my mother listening to A Wrinkle in Time, and she goes, I get why you're worried. She goes, they are not shiny in this book, and those ladies on that tra- trailer are very shiny. It's like, I know, right? Oprah in glitter. This is not how I pictured these characters, so... Um, but Ready Player One, April 5th, and then on April 20th, we will be talking about Eliza and Her Monsters by Francesca Zappia. And it is a teen book that came out last year, so excited about that as well. Um, as always, you can check us out with more book recommendations on GPL Lunch Break most Thursdays at noon. We will be talking this Thursday about National Women's History Month. Um, so our favorite female authors and characters. And we have more planned for the month, so check it out. Is there anything else we need to promote? I don't think so. I don't either. I think that's it. Yeah. All right. Well, we're just going to go then. <laughs> uh, we will see you in April. Bye. talk to you in april are you gonna include that yeah okay we'll chatter i don't know we'll get in touch we'll call you